those who fear music are dangerous. Welcome to Retro Enjoy your voyage. Voyage. Welcome to Retro Groove. I'm Adam. And I'm Liam. And this is a podcast where we talk about music that stands the test of time. Welcome back. We had a little bit of a break for Christmas. Hope y'all enjoyed our second annual Albums of the Year episode. Um, had a lot of fun with that. And uh, with the coming off the holidays and some travel, we took a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are ready to come out of the gate swinging. Uh, Liam, how's it going, sir? What's going on with you? Uh, it's going pretty good. Sweet. 2023 has shaped up uh, all right so far. Um, just took in uh, a musical. We took uh, we took our daughter to see Aladdin. Oh, okay. And it was really cool. I have to say, like, I'm still in the same boat with musicals. Like, the production was great. The performance was great. But they added a bunch of songs to like oh. carry through the whole thing so that there was right. always some sort of singing going on every like four minutes. Of course. And I, there were times where I'm like, we don't need a song here. Like, why don't <laughs> I understand the need for the cadence? But it just uh, and I, I feel I felt it for my daughter, too. Like it wasn't songs that she was familiar with and it wasn't anything so strong that I was like man, I wish this was in the movie. Why did they leave this out? Did you, right. have you seen the live action Aladdin movie? Uh, the one with Will Smith? With Will Smith, yeah. Yes, I've seen okay. the, the movie. I have so, not seen like musical version. Sure. So what I was hoping, and I don't know how everything played out here, but I'm assuming that the Broadway show came before the live action musical. But in the movie... That Jasmine song that was added, um, speechless, I think it was like we're like she's like she like gets empowered and whatever. <laughs> like it's this amazing moment in the movie um, where like because it, it wasn't in the cartoon and right. like Jasmine is finding like her voice and like she won't be shut down and she stands up for herself and this is beautiful song and I'm like oh man. I hope they do this in the musical. Like, uh-huh. that would be so cool. And there is the sentiment there, but the song's not there. And it's, oh, these, other, it's these other weird filler songs instead. So um, ultimately a great experience. It was super fun, yeah. but didn't win me over on musicals. Um, yeah. We'll have to leave that for, for something else in the future. I probably should have gone to see Beetlejuice. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't think my daughter's ready for that yet. So we we, we, no. went, we went the Disney route. Um, what about you? How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Um, just trying to get back into the the swing of things after that. This was such a kind of a do nothing post holiday season. I feel that um, there was a, a ton of downtime at work and uh, just kind of spent a whole week not doing very much 
at all, just kind of trying to rest and um, put put the year behind us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it's just here we are. It's 2023. I'm not ready for it to happen yet. It's like, it's like, uh, I'm, I'm working. You're hibernating. Kind of. I'm still in hibernation mode. Work, work is still ramping up, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of, no, I'm not ready for this yet. And, uh, you know, I'm, I haven't gotten back into any of my content creation, uh, at all yet. This is the, this is the first thing uh, that I'm doing since we recorded the last episode. Um, uh, this is a good way to get into it because we, yes. you know, we have good conversation. This will jumpstart it, and and yeah. I'll be fine. It's yeah. just a co- kind of a little bit of maybe a cocooning season for me, where I'm going to be doing a lot of chilling and uh, playing my guitar privately and not doing a whole lot else. But I'll get back into the swing of things here. Well, um, we, you should probably, if you want to take a book, uh, a page out of the book of who we're talking about today, it sounds like you need to get yourself a house in, in Reykjavik. Iceland. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I figured that's where you were yourself. going. <laughs> and right, uh, just set yourself aside and find your inspiration there. That would be awesome. If yeah. anyone wants to... Uh, Sponsor. I don't know. Sponsor, Sponsor your, your a uh, a trip to Iceland Adopt for you. the it's for the it's for the good of the show. It really yeah. is. Yeah. So, I'll, my inbox is open. Yeah. Whoever. But if there's there's ever anyone that can provide some sort of inspiration, he's a good one to talk about. You know, like yes. he's like like I'll say that in kind of doing the normal refresher that we do for uh, conversations like this. It just, it's almost overwhelming, like, the different directions that this guy goes in. So, Oh, yes. Like, even if one thing doesn't gel, the next song might. Um, and who knows? Like, maybe we come out of this and, and you're just like, I'm going to go start an Afro-funk band. <laughs> Heck, I'd be down. That sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, and, of course, we're talking about the the subject of our discussion today uh, the one and only Damon Albarn, mm-hmm. um, prolific musician and songwriter. Uh, and there's just, as an introduction, there's really just too much to talk about. Uh, the, obviously, probably best known for being the front man and uh, leading songwriter for both Blur and the Gorillas, uh, But obviously, uh, Gorillas without the the, there's no the. <laughs> um, although I learned something new today about gorillas, which is that their original name was just gorilla. Oh, singular. Without the Z. Oh. And I'm like, that doesn't sound right at all. No. Can you imagine gorillas as just gorilla? No. No, it wouldn't make sense because it's such a, I don't know, it's such a collaborative Exactly. The nature of it is so collaborative that you need a plurality to that name. That's why it works. Yeah. So we'll get into all that, but that, yeah. that was just a fun little snippet there. But um, I guess let's hop right in. We've, we, we've got a, a whole episode here to to follow Damon from childhood through today and yeah. and uh, see, what, see what he's all about. I'm wondering, though, like... 
What I always find interesting in these kind of conversations is do you have a, a recollection of your your how you just organically came into his music? Like do you do you recall when you first heard his stuff in what context, anything like that? Yeah, of course. And and I think probably and it's just I think I probably glossed over it because it's not a particularly interesting <laughs> introduction story. Like, like most teenage Americans, I was introduced to uh Damon through Blur being all over MTV. Mm. Um and Is it know, song two or was it something else? You know what? I don't even remember if it okay. was song two or if it was M.O.R. or Coffee and TV or mm-hmm. Beetlebum or what? No, Coffee and TV was the next record. So it, it was wasn't later, Coffee yeah. and TV. Yeah. So it had to have been. It was probably song two. Let's be honest. It was um, probably song two. I feel like I remember seeing Girls and Boys, but I don't know if I saw Girls and Boys in the moment or if it was something that after. I saw later on. I don't because I definitely wasn't watching MTV or Fuse, or I think it was Much Music at the time. Like I wasn't mm. watching that in '94, so I'm sure I didn't I didn't see it in real time. But I have a distinctive memory of seeing Girls and Boys. I mm-hmm. kind of remember the music video for Song Two. Um, a song two for me, I remember hearing it in FIFA. Yes. I think it was on FIFA on Nintendo 64. I mean, dude, that song was everywhere. It was everywhere, but FIFA is massive. Yeah. And then I also remember years later, I think it was FIFA 03. Let me look on my shelf. (laughs) FIFA 03, no, FIFA 2002 was um, the remix of 19-2000, the Soul Child remix of Gorillaz, and we loved that song. Like, we would restart the game to try to get that song to to play. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I also, like, the, um, the music video for Coffee and TV... Do you remember that at all? Like seeing oh, yeah. that music video with the milk carton? Yep, with the uh, milk carton walking around. Uh, I yeah. adored that music video. Love oh it. my god. And I was like, this is the same band that does the Woo Hoo song? Like Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Possible? Um and then to and then to be exposed to gorillas later and be like, Oh, this is also the same guy. This is crazy. How is yeah, he doing all of this stuff? That was a crazy moment. Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, it was really it was, you know, there was there was some singles off of that. There was Beetlebum. I remember mm-hmm. specifically Beetlebum song two and M O R. And there were there were music MOR's videos. A great song. For all, it's a rocking song, um, and my my friend, my best friend at the time that we played music together, he played bass and I played guitar. He got the CD, and he was like, "You got to listen to this album." And mm-hmm. like we would like try to learn songs off of it, and it was like I tried to play M O R, and I was like, "What is he doing <laughs> with his guitar?" Like I could yeah. play it now, but back, uh, you know, I was I, I did not. No, how it was more elevated than you thought it was. It's like the Beatles. Like there was like those kinds of bands where you you hear the song and you're like, I think I could try to do this, and then you try to do it and you're like, Oh no, I can't do that. No, no, you can't. (laughs) It's 
And it's like, it's that whole deceptively simple thing, like with Ringo, where it's like, oh, people talk about how great of a drummer Ringo was. And some people scoff and they're like, come on. And then it's like, okay, try to play this song nonstop for however long the song is. And it's like, oh, this, I can't, what is he doing? Wait, hold on. Like, (laughs) it's deceptively simple until you like try to work it out. And, um, that I feel, I feel like that is kind of permeates a lot of Damon's work through Blur and Gorillas, where it's like yeah. on the surface it sounds very simple, but it's truly not. There's a lot more going on uh, underneath the hood. So yeah. Uh, now, obviously, I've gotten us ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but um, a little bit. That's I, fine. I, I, what I what I wanted to kind of frame because I was I was interested what your history was is that. You and I are punching in different spots, but but generally the same area, right? To a band who has already established themselves, it like immensely, and and is almost in. I like I don't want to put it the wrong way, but in in terms of how they were initially spun media wise and framed, mm-hmm. they're already sunsetting in the quote-unquote Brit pop, which we won't go into too much, but but Brit pop right. sense, they're already sunsetting and Damon's moving on and expanding into and, and realizing all of these ideas that he's got and he's being right. so inventive. And that's when we're learning about it stateside more so. Park, exactly. Life, Park Life was the album, you know, and The Great Escape yes. was a massive follow-up. And all of that fell on deaf ears i feel like over here stateside it really did so it's it's interesting that we're punching in and finding this band on album five and six and and the new projects (laughs) and everything and and have no knowledge of like the the amazing kind of build up to all of that um yeah i didn't even really discover any of that until they had a greatest hits compilation that Mm -hmm. came out in 2000 i remember that, and that's when i really learned about all of the older stuff. There's, you know, there's so much material, uh, on that greatest hits. And there was a, you know, a DVD of all the music videos and all of that as was kind of, that was popular at the time. I had, I had the beastie boys one. It was like all of their music videos from all time. Yeah. Um, so that, that just kind of expanded my fandom, uh, of them. But yeah, let's, let's, Let's go Let's jump back. Yeah. way back. Way yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Damon's born in 1968 in London. Um, you know, as a, as a kid, he, he has somewhat of a, um, a little bit of a bohemian upbringing, kind of liberal parents. Um, and as, as a kid, his parents are listening to blues as well as uh, Indian music and African music. So from a really early age, you know, we start to already see some of these uh, multicultural and uh, world music influences uh, very, very early on. And, you know, he starts learning to play guitar, piano, violin. So he's he's just like he's practically popping out the womb. Yeah. His parents are taking inclined. him out to see shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Which now as I'm looking at all of this and thinking about it, like I may... I may be making my own gorilla. 
Like I'm, I'm like, <laughs> like, like I've been taking her to concerts here and there and she's playing all these instruments and we listen to a whole bunch of stuff and I'm like, all right, well, although I th- feel like didn't you say that one of your daughters made like a gorilla's playlist that she jams to? Yeah. My older daughter, yeah. she, she is a gorilla's fan and yeah. uh, has a gorilla's playlist and right. th- you know, that's more often than not, if I'm like, what do you want to listen to? It'll, it'll be gorilla's. Um, and my younger daughter is, is really, really wanting to learn how to play guitar. So, you right, know, so I can see it. Some gorillas. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> whole, whole team. I want to dig into that later. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So then he goes to school and he meets some like-minded friends, right? Yep. So, uh, in secondary school, which would basically be high school to us, Um, he goes to the Stanway school in Essex where he meets Graham, Graham Coxon, um, guitar player. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so they hit it off, they're friends and they're, they're playing music together. Um, in college, they team up, uh, with a drummer, Dave Roundtree, and they start a band called Circus. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Great title for for a a Brit pop band in the you know late 80s mm-hmm. um but then you know circus doesn't seem to fit so they changed their name to seymour oh much better <laughs> uh and then seymour doesn't pan out so ultimately in 1990 they changed their name one last time to blur and they released their first single she's so high reaching a lofty 48 on the UK singles chart. Wow. Have you heard She's So High? No. So it, it kind of, and I hate to say it this way, but it, it kind of sounds like what you would think would be maybe like an Oasis B-side or <laughs> like a, an early Oasis song that didn't quite make the cut for the album. Okay. It's just very simple, jangly yeah, Brit I mean pop. they're kids, right? They're they're twenty one, twenty two year old. They're they're just yeah, yeah. But they're they're kind of you know they're coming along. They're making waves, dude. I mean um, like they they started a band and they got on the charts. I mean like that's that's nothing to snuff at just to start. So, right yeah, there, I'd be thrilled so. if I hit number forty eight <laughs> yeah. on a on yeah, the how many single charts chart. Have you been yeah. on? <laughs> <laughs> I got zero. <laughs> so it's enough to keep them going. Yeah, and uh, their their next single turns out to be There's No Other Way, which hits number seven wow. on the UK album charts. Or on the, uh, I'm sorry, the There's No Other Way hit number eight on the UK singles chart, which propelled them forward to record their first album, which that album hit number seven on the UK album chart. Um, and... Damon has even been quoted as saying that the album is quote unquote awful, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, that was leisure. And if you listen to it, it's, it, 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 you can kind of hear, I don't know if you've listened to it or how much you've listened to it. A little bit. Yeah. It's just like, there's some very early hints here and there of like what they're headed toward, but man, it doesn't sound like, blur yeah i think they're also yeah i mean the 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 early genesis of blur through to i think through the great escape um 
they're a little bit at the mercy of the fact of of what came before them. They're coming out of right. this scene in Manchester or, or tethered to and pulling inspiration from this scene in Manchester that was called Madchester. And it mm-hmm. was like indie music, like indie rave, some some house, some psychedelia. Um, and And so they're trying to like pull from and capitalize on that um, without, you know, they're not, they're not the Smiths. They're not new order. It's nothing Mm -hmm. like that. Um, but trying to put their own stamp on that sound again, it's just like any other band at that time or, or many other bands at that time in their career where they're just trying to figure out what their sound is. And so they're pulling from all different kinds of influences and, and finding a scene, um, trying to find where they fit in. Yeah. Rather than maybe just letting them like just writing the music that they want to be writing at that time, I'd say. And maybe, and I kind of remember being that age, they may not have really known what they wanted to write. Right. There's just like, you know, all this, all this music and all the excitement of the, you know, the late eighties, early nineties and the scene and everything. And they just, you know, want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can, I can remember being that age and, and feeling that way. And, um, you know, I remember having multiple music projects going on, uh, around that age and, and none of them sounding anything like each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but they, they've got, they know they've got something because the album is in the top 10 and they're touring. Yeah. They head to the States. Yeah. They head to the States in 1992 and it was kind of a disaster. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely a disaster. Because, uh, you know, American, you know, indie, alternate, what, what, you know, those terms hadn't even really been... No, it was grunge. Uh, coined they, yet. They, yeah, they rolled America into America. America wanted grunge. Yeah, they were, they rolled into America, and they weren't playing, I'm not going to call it Britpop at that point, but like... They're, they're playing the origins of what would be, what would form the Brit pop scene of suede and, right. and Oasis and, and pulp. Um, and, and they come over and look, Americans are, are jerks in this sense. Like the people, you know, yeah. there's, uh, some xenophobia, uh, some oral xenophobia to a lot of music from outside of our, our borders sometimes, yeah. you know? Um, and, and I, it wasn't what people were looking for. No, definitely not. And they're, they're you know, you, you were, you're spot on. They're especially mean if they're there to see, you know, a band that sounds like Nirvana or Pearl Jam or something like that. And, you know, out, out comes a, a song like There's No Other Way. And you're like, what is this? Like, yeah. <laughs> so the band gets, they're pretty depressed on this tour. Um, drinking a lot playing drunk because they don't want to be there they just have to recoup and make the money so they're not you know in a massive amount of debt mm-hmm. when they get back home and so you know damon starts listening to the kinks and just things that remind him of home and he almost has this um this reaction to the crowds in America and the music that was popular and what they felt like was being demanded from them. 
uh, or demanded of them from American audiences. And he's like, you know what? We're going to write songs that are so quintessentially British rock and roll. 100%. That it's going to piss off all these yeah. dumb Lean American. Into <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lean into it. Grunge rockers. And so they start writing songs in the vein of the kinks, the who, the jam. And, and you start to kind of hear that blur sound to me, listening to that second album, uh, primarily it, it comes through in Graham's guitar and it's, he's got this really, um, you know, unique growl to his guitar and, and it, it shines through a lot on this. It's, it's really, I'm surprised that it was produced so hot in the mix mm. uh on on this second album that was released in 93 modern life is rubbish and if, and if you listen to that album there's there's the who and the kinks all over that album it is like 60s british rock worship man and i gotta listen to this it's I don't, fantastic I yeah, I it's a, spent it's, much time with that yeah no it's it's a wonderful album and that's when you really start to hear like, okay, this is what blur sounds like. This is, um, this is something that we haven't really, I mean, yeah. Influenced by those super well-known internationally recognized British rock bands, but this is something new. This is, uh, a very current interpretation of that type of music. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's, it came out in May 93, uh, topped out at number 15 on the album charts. Um, obviously, it was a commercial flop in the U.S., <laughs> despite, yeah, you know. It you know, was the, built to be that way. Right, yeah. exactly. I mean, but the, the critics were kind to it, but mm-hmm. American audiences didn't want it. it no, really... again, you're thinking that was 93, right? Like, mm-hmm. just it just sonically, so sonically wasn't there we we wouldn't get there until 95 96 yeah but i mean they they charted well they they loved the new sound damon in particular was really happy with the direction that the band was going in and just immediately started writing furiously uh for the next album and that was park life uh park life comes out in 94 debuted at number one on the UK album charts and stayed on the charts for 90 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to, you look at the cadence here and it's modern life is rubbish park life and the great escape, like back to back, which, which wasn't the norm as much. Like you saw this in the seventies where people didn't tour a ton. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of kind of collaborative work going on. And so, um, you would have artists that put out, I mean, we're talking with last, uh, episode about Stevie Wonder putting out two albums yeah. in the same year and getting nominated for different albums, the same <laughs> Grammy Award. Um, it did happen, but uh, but this is this is kind of crazy. Like ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, um, and and all solid. Again, I haven't spent as much time with Modern Life, um, but Park Life and The Great Escape are fantastic albums. Um, and Park Life is, I mean, massive. Uh, success mm-hmm. kind of establishes the band uh, as this like pop 
I mean, they became pop, right? I mean, yeah. Girls and Boys is a is a pop song. Absolutely. Right? Um, although, just like anything else with Blur, there's a gigantic tongue in cheek. There's a lot of taking the piss. There's like a bunch yes, of stuff going much. on in, in all of this. It's not just a straightforward, nothing's straightforward Absolutely. with anything that Damon has ever done ever. Um <laughs> And, and yeah, like this, this album explodes again. I didn't find this until years later and went back right. and it still held up for me. You know, like I looked back at this and I'm like, this album's fantastic. Like yeah. cover to cover. So good. Um, and I, I can't imagine that. I mean, the band had only f- formed a few years before that coming off of what we just talked about, where they just went to the U S they were in debt Everything seems terrible. Mm-hmm. Like modern life is rubbish. To become exactly the new, the face of a new movement, so to speak, yeah. in pop music, it's got to be such a crazy thing to go through. And again, we keep, we're going to keep coming back to this. Damon is not that guy. Like right. he's he he's he's. Um, He's genius. He's he's eclectic and inspired, and but I, like he's not the the shiny pop star. He's not the one who's gonna just stand out there and right. soak it up. He's not uh, he's not Paul McCartney in that sense. Right, you and know? I mean in in a similar vein as like Kurt Cobain, he was increasingly uncomfortable. Yes, with the level of fame that the band had had achieved, and he would suffer panic attacks. Uh, so it's it's that kind of thing where, you know, you, you just want to play in in clubs with your friends and have a successful album and make some money and not have to, you know, work a, a menial job. And the next mm-hmm. thing you know, you're, you're like gearing up for an international tour as cr- it's it's a lot yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. So building off of park life success, Damon, uh, is writing for the follow-up results in a much more just, you know, now that they've got, okay, now they have all the money that they want to make the album and they kind of make their, their Brit pop, um, uh, Abbey road, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. They, they make <laughs> their yeah. like opus in the great escape it's it's theatrical it's it's almost you could almost call it a concept album um and you know once again uh enters the uk charts at number one um 1995 uh rave reviews but then something starts to happen in jolly london something (laughs) something is afoot I mean, in the Britpop scene. Well, it's weird. I, I don't. I really don't want to talk too much about this, the so to speak battle because it's obvious that it was just a, a, a thing that media glommed onto as a way to sensationalize and uh, and kind of typify something. You know, oh, like I'm they sure. took they they took the fact that. Uh, you know, they, the Gallaghers were in a competitive state with Damon. You had these two, four, but really these two, like, rising shooting stars in mm-hmm. this sound that felt like a movement. Um, and 
and then like i i mean damon i believe kind of spurred it on by shifting the release of their single to coincide with oasis oh, like they they found out that 100 percent intentional oasis was yeah <laughs> like oasis was putting out a song and he's like okay well fine then i'll do this so like he did ask for it a little bit but i also think that it was completely unnecessary i also oh, of course. think like yeah there's definitely things in there's times on in in those albums where you can hear the similarities between them and oasis um absolutely but, but more and more as I listen to it, I hear more Radiohead than I do Oasis half the time, especially as we get towards The Great Escape and into the self-title. Like, I get the Gallagher comparison at that moment when they're both in that space, but Oasis goes in one direction and Blur's right. already headed somewhere else, you know? like yeah, exactly. I think they just crossed paths at that point. Like, that's the way that I kind of view it, I guess, is like, you had... You had the Great Escape and Park Life. You had What's the Story, Morning Glory, um, and and one band went and and broke in one direction, and one band went and broke in another direction, and, yeah. and created something completely different. You know, um, and and Britpop, for what it's worth, isn't anything. Like Britpop was a a sparkle of a of a time in the timeline of one type of music in one area of the world. You know, yep. like it it existed for maybe three years, so to speak. It wasn't it like I guess you could probably say that grunge was the same way. Grunge probably lasted six years, right? Like five or six years, maybe yeah. a little more. But it was like, relatively short-lived. Mm-hmm. It has, they, they all have echoes, but so does Britpop if you want to get into right. it. There's no, <laughs> there's no Coldplay without these bands. So like, right, exactly. And we're still listening to them. So well, like, <laughs> some people let's not go listening. that, some people are. <laughs> I'm fine with Coldplay. I like <laughs> Sorry. Coldplay. It's fine, it's fine. Um, you set anyway. that up for me to knock it yeah, out. That's okay, park. that's fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so like, Again, like I, I don't want to get mired down in it too much because there's so much more to what this band is. If this was the end of right. the conversation, you know, if this was like, and then he went on and did X, Y, and Z, that was it. But it's like, this was the seed, the right. massive seed that then sprouts in a million directions and kind of allows him to do everything else. Right. And a hundred percent right. And whether it was, you know, mostly driven by media or self-inflicted or a combination of all of the above, whatever the case may be, it, it causes strained relationships within the band. Mm-hmm. And eventually, for better or worse, they want they want nothing to do with it after yeah. a while. They're like, all right, like that was that was fun, but we need to we need to get away from that because they're not it's, pop stars. These these guys right. don't want to be that. Exactly. Um, so Graham suggests an, an overhaul of their sound. It's like, there's, you know, every magazine cover is Oasis versus blur. And it's, it's just, it's becomes the narrative. Yeah. And then it's like, well, then what's next? The next album, we're going to do another like Oasis versus blur shootout and see which it's like, that's good for them to re- for realizing it too. There's a, there's right. an awareness that comes in and Damon spot on about it constantly. The awareness that he has on how perspective and image and framing things yes. is, is the guy is it, another level. Yeah. And they end up overhauling their sound basically for a second time. 
Um, and a lot of it is spurred by Graham um, being bored as a guitar player with the way things are with British bands mm-hmm. and starts becoming influenced by pavement and some other American bands that are doing things more creatively uh, with, with their sound. And so they kind of forge a little bit of a, a new path that will at least ensure that they're not going to get compared and put next to Oasis in a, in a, in a battle or a boxing ring anymore. Um, They just, they don't want to do that anymore. Um, But they have to get out of London in order to do that. So where do they go? (laughs) (laughs) Off to Iceland. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's when he first starts heading over there. I mean, he's been doing stuff in Iceland for 25 years, I guess now. Right. Um, So yeah, that's 97. They head off. Um, and yeah, like I, it's, I mean, song two, we we touched on our exposure to it, right? But like, mm-hmm. it's it's the most known Blur song easily uh, worldwide. Oh, yeah. um, it, I, do you think they still like playing it? Do you think they still do play it? Like, if you go see Blur now, do they play that song? I don't know if they do. Like, I. I'd have to go check the setlist.fm, so, but it feels like a, a song that they probably don't want to play anymore. <laughs> I watched a great video of uh, an interviewer and Graham Coxon, mm-hmm. um, and they had the individual uh, recorded tracks of audio from the song. And okay. so they kind of break the song down track by track. Like, here's the drum track. This is oh, what wow. he was doing. This yeah. is the, this is the isolated guitar track. And he talks about what he was doing. And he tells the story of how this song came together. And they're basically like, um, they they took a song like that riff that that mm-hmm. that is a sped up version of an acoustic a slower acoustic song that Damon was working on oh and they were just they were literally just goofing around in the studio with it and just being like yeah let's let's make like the most obnoxious dumb stupid sound possible and as a joke they recorded it and literally made it as as obnoxious and dumb as they could possibly make it sound. And then they're like, hey, guys, let's send it to the record company and tell them this is our new single. And just see what they say. <laughs> like, they thought that they were just playing a joke. Yeah. And the record company's like, it's a smash. Hell yeah, let's rent it. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, wait. Uh, <laughs> we'll make millions. Yeah. And the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um. So the, you, this is your album by them, would you say, or like this is the one that you have the the longest standing relationship with? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, yeah. it's 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 a hard comparison to Thirteen. Yeah, same. Because um, they're kind of different, but yeah. they're both incredible. Yeah, I would I feel say. Like, I feel ahead. like I'm more Thirteen these days. I mean, so he goes. I I'm a sucker for a breakup record you know mm-hmm. like i just like even if i don't know that's what i'm walking into the moment i get there i'm like oh boy here we go take me away um yeah. 
and and uh, no distance left to run on this album is yeah, it's heartbreaking. Oh God, um, but uh, Caramel's great. Uh, Trailer Park, um, obviously Coffee and TV. We talked about like there's a bunch of great stuff. But again, this album is kind of all over the place. You know, like some of the songs yeah. are still that kind of heavy, grindy, and some of them are have that have the echoes of the jangly Brit pop but um you know a little bit more uh evolved a little more yes. mature um, I think that's what I like about it is it it takes the departure from the self-titled fifth album mm-hmm. and it kind of lets them like the the self-titled album kind of busted open the floodgates yeah and now they're just kind of in the open water like oh we can we can just do whatever we want now. Yeah. Like they, they were successful. They, they, they escaped the bloody water of the feeding frenzy of the Britpop rivalry scene. Yeah. And now they're like, Oh, we did it. We're, we can just do what we want to do now. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it's them breaking the gravitational pull of that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but it also then, you know, leads to other shatterings that kind of happen from there because 13 winds up being the last cohesive blur album for a very long time. You have Think Tank, which comes along after that, but that's at a point when I think each of them, Damon in particular, but also Graham, have kind of done their own thing a bunch. Um, oh, that was got, after Graham left the band entirely. Well, so Gorillas, Gorillas, you know, we're getting to the first Gorillas album where yep. Damon's kind of gone off and come up with this concept. Um, but then they they start to come back together for Think Tank, and as the early parts are forming, because mm-hmm. I think Graham is on one song on Think Tank, but also ultimately like it they they try to get it together for that album and mm-hmm. Graham walks away and it winds up just being the Damon show yeah. um but let's let's dig into gorillas a little yes, bit cuz gorillas <laughs> gorillas is where um my my like fandom starts for Damon oh okay and, and then to realize oh i've actually been listening to his music for a while, you know, like I knew ah. who Blur was. I know some knew some Blur songs. I didn't own Blur albums at that point, mm-hmm. um, but Gorillas comes out, and you know, obviously, visually, it's amazing. Yeah. Like it's so cool. You don't know what you're watching. It's a cartoon band. Um, the song is infectious, um, and it, I mean. Clint Eastwood, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's that like creepy cemetery uh, vibe, and the characters are just so cool. The lead singer's got no pupils, you know, like, <laughs> and he's kind of droning on in this like lilting way, but it's haunting and beautiful and sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so years prior to all of this, um, Damon and uh, this artist, Jamie Hewlett, had mm-hmm. met each other. Graham had actually introduced uh, them yeah. age, ages before. Um, 
until Jamie Damon starts and... dating Graham's ex-girlfriend and causes a whole thing. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus, always so incestuous. There's always something. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, rock stars. Um, it's, a, it's always a tight circuit, right? Like, there's always, like, uh, everybody knows everybody. Yep. Um, so somehow they start living together or something, right? Yeah, like so like Jamie broke up with the with Graham's ex-girlfriend and okay. you know obviously then Damon has the falling out with longtime uh girlfriend um Justine I'm mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna do it again I'm gonna mispronounce Go the last name you should do it for me because <laughs> oh god Frischman uh I'm gonna go with Frischman yeah Frischman yeah I'm going with Frischman I'm, yeah. I'm so sorry Justine, uh, the lead singer of Elastica. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, her and Damon were in a relationship for a very long time. And as you mentioned previously, a a lot of the songs on uh, 13 are about that, that relationship ending, but, but yeah, him and Jamie, you know, recently broken up. So they moved into an apartment together. The idea for gorillas comes along while they're watching MTV together and just kind of commenting on the the utter lack of substance mm-hmm. and jokingly just like it, this is we're, they're like we're we're watching a cartoon play out here like these aren't these aren't even real people anymore like you could so the idea for gorillas comes along as you could literally put a cartoon band that's not even real people and put it on MTV and yeah. do just as well yeah, I mean, like, I remember Tom Green doing the Bum Bum song, and it was, it, it, in its own way, it was the same kind of thing where he's just like, hey, let's do something ridiculous and watch me make it to the top of TRL, you exactly. know? Like, like I can imagine these guys watching the Backstreet Boys or Simple Plan or whoever it was and just being like, this is nothing. This is This is just a show. This right. is not music anymore. We're not celebrating music. No. And I, I'll say that there's something very redeeming about a well-written pop song. So I'll always go to bat for it. Right. However, he's not wrong. It is a show, you know? And, and he's like, well, we could just make a band. We could just right. like make this non-existent band. If these guys are going to put on a show, we can put on a show. Why don't you draw the show and I'll write the music for the yeah. show. Basically, you know? And for those that don't know, Jamie being a visual artist and a, co- a comic strip illustrator um, who wrote the tank girl, comic strip mm-hmm. um which then became a very strange movie that i just wa- rewatched again recently and was even weirder than i remember <laughs> but it's so it what was really interesting about going back and watching tank girl is how much of the visual style particularly of the moments where it kind of flips back and forth between live action and comic strip mm-hmm. oh there's there's so much like that looks like a gorilla's album artwork, or that looks like a snippet from a music, a gorilla's music video. Like you can see the early, uh, you know, work that he was doing and you can see that in the gorilla's artwork. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, it's a weird ass movie. (laughs) Yeah. Not recommended unless you are, unless you have a particular taste for, very strange 90s nostalgia. <laughs> um, 
now at the at the same time as the gorillas thing is happening and i'm gonna lean on you a little bit here because i do want to kind of put in contrast radiohead a little bit because mm-hmm. when i when i look at damon and i look at the collective of radiohead but i'm you know i'm looking at tom but like they they are definitely more of a collective than just one guy. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I do think that that benefits them in their calculus, you know, mm-hmm. like they're able to bounce ideas off of each other and can kind of cull and sculpt things. And I think here we start to see Damon has this ravenous head full of ideas, constant mm-hmm head full of ideas of his inspirations and his interests and his viewpoints and everything. And I think that he often needs uh, people to form with him, I think, um, to to kind of help figure out what hits the floor and what doesn't. Mm. Um, and so you're, you're coming off of OK Computer, Kid A, amnesiac right like this Mm -hmm. is this is the time for radiohead if i'm if i'm not mistaken um pretty much and it's this like you have this basically brit rock has turned into this sort of elevated um art like the 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 stuff that's popular that's coming across is that and then you'll have muse and and coldplay and and snow patrol um and and I, I'm looking then over at Damon and I'm like, he's still in a pop space, right? But he's yeah. also he's also thinking about doing this Gorillas album with Dan the Automator and Kid Koala. Yes. <laughs> like Gal the Funky like, Homo sapien. Yeah, like De La weird, Soul. Mm-hmm. Like off like <clears throat> like deep alt hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um I I Which he's don't a huge know fan how, of. Yeah, but dude, I don't see how that works. And it I does. He is a huge like, fan. His daughter, you know, his his daughter's name is Missy. Named after Missy Elliott. No way. I, unless the internet is lying, which that could be the case. <laughs> could happen, yeah. But um so I, but when you look on paper of what's going on at that time indie alt hip-hop merged with british pop rock sensibility Mm -hmm. like alt pop sensibility does not equal success to me you know like that's not and granted who am i i'm not a visionary damon is legitimately a visionary so i shame on me but like (laughs) who would think that dan the automator and the lead singer of Blur and Del the Funky, Funky Homo Sapien would mm-hmm. go on to create, like, help launch this uh, this band that has had a twenty year career now. I mean, um, I, it's I'm insane. <laughs> I don't know that he was probably all that concerned about the commercial viability of it when, when it, I think it probably just came about as an excuse to, to work with all these yes incredible other artists that just I think you're right. wouldn't work with yeah. blur. Yeah. Um, and it, it just, they were right. It, it yeah. took off. Absolutely yep. took off. 
Um, well, and so the success of that then in turn kind of goes back to what we were talking about after that because they return back to trying to do Blur and Graham's already put out some solo projects. Yeah, it's good um, stuff, by the way. Uh, Damon is enjoying the sort of liberty that he gets, the creative freedom that he gets and the experimentation that he's getting with this new Gorillas project. Right. And the whole thing kind of falls apart. I mean, like... They starts he brings in Fatboy Slim to record with the band in Morocco, I think it is. Yeah, just kind of like, weird stuff. <laughs> and and Graham's like, no, yeah, <laughs> it's just it's not what what I yeah, signed up for. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so you see kind of the at least temporary shattering and ending of of Blur at that point. You know, Think Tank comes out. Um, it, it's a good album. It's just yeah, not. It's, fine. it's not. It's not the same blur as as where you felt things were kind of headed. Right. You can see they go down the Graham solo and Damon Gorilla's solo paths. You know, very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, not you know, to be continued there, but um, definitely, uh, yeah, definitely not. Um, not not the like celebrated continuation of the the band that you would hope for at that point right um but what we do get then is demon days you know yes. you you get um the such a strong follow up to um to their self-titled album um danger mouse i think it's one of the early like our early exposures to danger mouse you know now he's recorded with u2 and and the chili peppers and the black keys and everything um but it was those early uh it was demon days in beck there was a beck album um obviously the gray album is what he was known for and then Charles barkley this was his early legitimate work (laughs) after like stuff like the gray album that was kind of (laughs) bootleg yeah you start hearing about this this producer after the fact and you look back and you're like oh yeah he helped produce demon days which is yeah is i i mean i'm a big plastic beach fan and i actually really like the now now um same but Demon Days still holds up. I go back and forth between whether Plastic Beach or Demon Days is my favorite. Um, Demon Days, there's just, there's, um, was it Every Planet We Reach is Dead? Mm-hmm. Um, Kids with Guns. Like there's, there's so many. Amazing songs. Come. Yeah. There's, it, it's, it's so eclectic. Um, I don't know. At this point, you're like, I don't even know what Gorillas is. Exactly. It, <laughs> it, like, it's it's a band, kind of. Um, I never saw them live. They were trying to figure out how to produce this live. There's a there's a screen sometimes. Sometimes it yeah, is Damon. They've done some crazy stuff with like holographic projections and stuff like Which that. Which is what they should do. You know, like this is like this is an unheard of experimentation uh vehicle for for Damon and his influences and ideas. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just gonna say like he you know you have everybody's hopefully got a friend that is listening to all different kinds of music and is just throwing things at them and you know stuff sticks and that's that's how you get uh uh exposed to new things. Yeah. And I wish that 
Damon Albarn was just curating playlists for me. I wish that he right? could soundtrack <laughs> moments of my life, but he kind of does. Like he's just throughout his career, he's just if you don't like the song you're listening to, just go to the next one because you might love it. Like there's exactly. always so much there. Um, and you don't know what the next thing is going to sound like. Because, like, Feel Good did kind of sound like Dare a little bit. Like, they both had a, a solid beat, but I don't know. Like, then you had that song, the the spoken word thing with Dennis Hopper. Like, yeah. It, like, near the end of the album. Like, who, who, why would that happen? Why? Who knows <laughs> that? Where did that even come from? I don't know, but I love it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, so Demon Days, um, I think, cemented them as not just a throwaway uh, gimmick. Because anything like that where it's just like a cartoon virtual band could just be that, you know? Um, But he pushes it forward Mm -hmm. um, and, and has, I think there's, I think it was Dare and Feel Good were both solid hits off that album, like legitimately hits off that album um, um and i think so feel good ink and a dirty, dirty harry, harry was, too, a, right? was a single too yeah i don't think that that one was super huge but that was also a single. yeah i remember hearing dirty harry on the radio yeah and i was like oh i get it clint eastwood dirty yeah. harry this <laughs> okay i see what they're Precisely. doing here <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so yeah. but yeah um there's like not a single I don't skip any tracks on this album. No. There's no, no skipping on it, that it, one. It's cover to cover. <laughs> um, and so, and he carries that collaboration, uh, or the, the start of collaboration that you get on Demon Days, because you do have these features now. You have other people kind of coming into the mix. Um, and he puts together this semi-super group um, mm-hmm. with Paul Simonin of The Clash, Simon Tong of the Verve and um, Afrobeat drummer legend like Fela Kuti, um music director for years Tony Allen mm-hmm. also produced by Danger Mouse. Um, yeah. Now I don't know how familiar you are. So it's the the band is called the the Good, the Bad, and the Queen. Um, they put this out in 07. I don't know. Have you listened to this much? No. Or did you listen to it back in the day? No, actually. Um, I, I know very little about it, actually. Okay. So it, it's it's good. It's it's fairly minimalist, and it's pretty bleak. Like, mm. I walk away from it feeling like it, it's it's pretty bleak, which is an odd thing to say for, for two reasons. One, um, I think that Gorillaz is kind of bleak. Gorillaz... Yeah. It's Once got a post-apocalyptic the, vibe to 100%, it. hundred mm-hmm. percent, yeah. It really feels like it. Um, once you get to Plastic Beach, uh, it there's there's almost a, hey, the world's burning, so let's dance. You exactly. Know? There's like, <laughs> it's like, it's <laughs> the end of the world, now, yeah. and I feel fine. You know, mm-hmm. it's like... Um, but Demon Days is haunting still. You know, yes. like Demon Days is haunting, but it has... There's 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 a lot of sort of upbeat moments on there. Um, there's there's some kind of shine within the darkness there that carries you through it. Mm-hmm. Um, the good, the bad, and the queen uh, feels kind of bleak, and it's weird because I mean, you think of the Clash and you think of Tony Allen, um, like 
these are rhythmic guys. These are guys mm-hmm. who can who can drive, who can lift you up. And instead, it's it's all like very toned down. It's mm. very um it's not like a dirge, but it 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 just feels kind of sad and and stripped. Um it's interesting. It's, it's it's worth it's worth going to and and they'll go and and uh they they do another album years later in in 2018. Mm. Um it's it's like an odd departure. It's not again, it's not surprising cuz nothing's surprising like he's going to do what he's going to do. Right. Um I just I wonder there's got to be more to uh, like I you know I didn't look enough for interviews for context of the time but like there's got to be something about what his vision was at that time like whether it was something going on in the world like i'm trying to think like 06 07 i don't know what was happening in the uk but there's something uh, he was doing a lot of work in africa mm-hmm. um something there's there's a backstory about why the tone is uh is what it is um but it fluctuates a little bit, but right. um, it's an interesting kind of pit stop along the way of what he's doing. Um, and yeah. also say it's something that I know you and I aren't super familiar with in general, but just to kind of put a point on the fact that this guy never stops working right. and to back up the <laughs> prolific mention, he's also working on uh, an opera based on a 16th <laughs> century uh, work called Journey to the West, like a, a, a Chinese uh, uh, work of fiction um, because of so course he, he is <laughs> yeah so that comes out in 2008 um uh is there anything else that you wanted to talk about at that point before we move on to plastic beach no i just want to talk oh. about plastic beach for the rest yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean plastic beach is so good um, it's so good yeah and and again like he's been very busy but for me as the listener at that point there's a five-year gap because I did not listen to the good, the bad, and the queen. I didn't know what that was, right? Because it wasn't touted as the next project from Damon Albarn. It was just put out there, you know. Like I'm not, it. I wasn't staying on top of it enough to know. So what I hear is after five years, gorillas are back, and I hear Stylo, and yeah. I lose Go my nuts. freaking <laughs> mind. <laughs> Dude, that's still my driving song. It like is. I still will go in and listen to that song. Um, it's incredible. Plastic Beach is it's a very pop album, almost um, like toothache indulcing, in inducing uh, at, at on purpose. Um, there are moments on that album that are are bananas right uh, like i mean from the get-go <laughs> fast jellyfish yeah the the snoop dog intro um but yeah i didn't know who bobby womack was right and i'm listening to stylo and there's this guy just <laughs> ripping um plastic beach if i'm not mistaken is really when we start seeing the breadth of what gorillas can be when it comes to collaboration yep like he damon's ideas are are various and um 
he he now has the ability i think he's has enough experience in doing it to know how to corral these things into their individual songs and okay i'm gonna work with most def on this he brings in mick jones he's already worked with paul simonon and now he's mm-hmm. working with mick jones so he's basically right. he's got clash as his house band the clash as his house yeah, band. right yeah and and i would say that also blur is influenced by the clash like there's there's times when you listen to the those blur albums and you can feel the clash in there so it's not surprising that it comes right back around Mm -hmm. um but yeah you really start to see him working alongside other artists a bunch and each song on the album bears fruit in its own way from who he's working with one of my favorites on that album is Empire Ants with Empire Little Dragon. Ants with Little Dragon, right? I love Little Dragon. Yeah. And so and and um um I I can't get enough of that song. That's Yeah. There's there's actually a number of songs that I'll listen to two or three times even if I'm doing a whole album listen mm-hmm. and that's always one of them. It's that that moment where like kind of the quiet intro breaks away. And the beat and the synth comes in and then little dragon comes in. It's just nuts. And, and you're right. There's so many moments like that on this album. Yeah. I mean, the clash velvet underground, like you have Lou Reed in there. Reed. Um, Snoop Dogg, De La Soul. Uh, it's, uh, it's, He starts to develop this sound. I, I think that this is the the touch point where, because if I said to you, what does gorillas sound like? I don't think you have an answer. Like, no, I don't think any not. of us. <laughs> no, but there is something to how the synth and the sampling is put together that doesn't exist in his other projects. And I can't put my finger on it. I was trying to like, find it <laughs> and i can't yeah. i don't I know mean, if he could even describe it but there's there some are particular s- sounds that yeah um, you kind of as a as a musician you get attached to and there's just like a there's a craft to it where you're like okay this is a gorilla's sound and right. so that particular patch on that synthesizer it's like okay this belongs to this project and then you don't really want to use it for another project except yeah except right except that plastic beach tonally sounds so different from demon days but the patches like there are similar patches and again i don't Mm -hmm. know anything about patches but like i can hear sounds where i'm like well that's gorillas exactly I've and heard those this kind on of other permeate, even the, even if the song itself is entirely different, right? And you know, you <laughs> you say uh, rightly so that you you can't really if you say describe gorillas, you really can't. I would have trouble describing a singular gorillas song. I mean, it's just its own thing. It's yeah. almost its own genre. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, you've got that like that melodica through the um that first album and it you you hear it permeate here and there throughout the rest of the albums which is that little it's like that little piano that you blow into um the hooter yeah (laughs) it's it's a weird kind of sound but it it goes throughout uh I, i would have to 
go back and look, but I, I feel like I've heard it in pretty much all of their albums. I think so too. I think there's like, I, I, for some reason I just classify it as a Casio. Like, I don't know what it is, but for some reason it feels Casio to me. So I just, it sort of sounds that way, but it's but, interesting cause it is like, it's not an electronic instrument. You just blow into this little, Oh, that like yeah, plastic yeah, yeah. piano thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, lots of weird sounds like that. And it, it's weird when you start to hear that. Like I remember hearing clinic for the first time mm-hmm. and they use that melodica a lot. And I was like, I, that's, that's the gorilla sound. Like they're using the gorillas thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird yeah. how that yeah. happens. Um, and so, Plastic Beach, you know, number two debut on the UK charts. Um, it was also number two on the US Billboard chart. Like, yeah. this this is another smash. And now the guy is spanning um, three decades of relevancy, which, not to draw tethers, but Oasis didn't, you know? Like, the Gallaghers had fallen apart or were in the process of falling apart at this point. I think they, mm-hmm. they made it to 2014, technically, but, like, they didn't have hits, like, at that point, you know? Right. Like, I, Damon... Damon has continued to to carry the torch, and uh, I I didn't I skipped the fall, and I think part of it is because it uh, it came very quickly on the heels of Plastic Beach, and it was right. like a fan club release or something. Like I feel like it didn't get. I was still I still do, but I was still like heavily buying physical product at that point and mm-hmm. i feel like there was something weird with the fault are you familiar with the fall at all i didn't even know about it until okay. like a few years ago <laughs> i didn't okay. even know what it, i missed it entirely i didn't yeah. even know that it existed i knew about humans and the now now but i should i i didn't even know it, it's probably only been a few years since i even knew of the existence of that album yeah, it's weird. It the way that they rolled it out, like I remember hearing something about it where like he was going to put out some songs that he recorded on an iPad and I was like, "All right, I don't know what that sounds like. I like Plastic Beach." And so I just kind of I I ignored it. I don't know when it got a physical release, but I remember it getting some sort of digital distribution and I just wasn't interested in mm. it. Um I haven't even gone back to it. It's it's like a gap in my Damonography. Yeah. Uh, I don't I Same. don't know the album much. So sorry, we're not gonna be able to talk too eloquently about the fall. Um but I definitely want to go listen to it. It seems like it'd be up my alley now, like looking back on it, something like stripped that he just sat and did himself like day by day. Um, yeah, and I wonder how much cool. um it maybe would have done better if it wasn't the same year that plastic beach came out, Mm -hmm. like he, he did a lot of it on, on tour while he was on tour, but the now, now is the same way. The majority of that album was written. And and a lot of it from what I understand was recorded touring America. Mm -hmm. And you know, you can kind of, we're skipping ahead a little bit talking about the now, now, but you can like hear it. It's like, okay, he wrote this driving around. It is Idaho and Kansas. Yeah. Like, that Idaho song is so good. It's super good, but yeah. it's that was its own thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. the fall coming out the same year, it almost like it's kind of cannibalized itself where it's like, 
you know, we talked about Stevie Wonder doing that and, and being nominated for awards for both albums, but it's like, that doesn't really happen anymore. Right. Except so the now, now is that similar thing to humans. Like it's only a year later. And in some ways the now, now is the Majora's mask to the human's <laughs> ocarina of time. And so in looking at that, I'm like, is the fall of the Majora's mask to plastic beaches ocarina of time? Cause if it is, it's probably pretty great. So uh, I definitely got a flag that I need to I need to dig back into that. Yeah. Um, but there's this moment off of um, off of Plastic Beach. There's a live TV performance, and I don't know if you can even find it now because it was on the internet for a while and it got taken down. Um, but it was it was on Jules Holland, which is a big uh, UK show, I believe it was Jules mm-hmm. Holland, um, and they had the whole the whole thing like they got the whole group together because at this point you can't tour gorillas as it is on the album because there's so many parts you're not bringing de la soul out on the road to do two songs you know it's just not Typically gonna happen not, no. <laughs> yeah um and you're not touring with a 70 year old soul singer either and you know um but i remember i remember seeing like loving stylo mm-hmm. and seeing this video of Damon Albarn in a in a captain's cap. He yes. like he's wearing like a sailor's cap, and most deaf has a mega mega horn megaphone, uh, like a, what a cop has. Right. Um, and Bobby Womack is up there just singing his butt off, and he's got a even whole, more so than on the album. Yeah, I think I've seen what you're talking, and I've. Oh, I think I posted it in the Discord ages ago. Like maybe even before we started this podcast. Like I feel I like I like, saw it recently. Okay. It gets taken off of the internet because it's from a TV show. It's kind of like Jimmy Fallon where those things are hard to find sometimes. But if you can find it, it is such a great performance. And you have this entire orchestral group, this entire like... Yeah. This orchestra behind him. And Damon looks so happy. Yeah. <laughs> he, he looks like the ringleader from the mad circus of his design and they are in a vibe and he's got the clash on stage with most deaf and an orchestra and Bobby Womack and De La Soul. And you're like, what the heck? Um, but it's interesting because I remember that is such a huge video for me and this huge moment of cementing my fandom of who Damon Albarn is. Yeah. Um, and then I see this interview piece with Jamie Hewitt, Hewlett mm-hmm. saying that that's kind of the moment when he was like, I don't know if I can do gorillas anymore because, really? <laughs> because gorillas remember when they, we were talking when they first toured, right? The band was behind a sheet and the screen was the band. Right. And they were orchestrating this virtual thing. And now gorillas has turned into the vehicle of, the eclectic genius of Damon Albarn's yeah. music tastes and his collaboration and his versatility. And it's not the visual. It's not the band. It's not a cartoon it's, band anymore. It's not the really. story. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's Damon's show. And I think that they're, and again, you don't know how much is media spin and whatever. Um, but there is a hiatus that follows all of this, mm-hmm. right? And and you can see 
in that era, there's not a whole lot of uh, amplifying the characters and the band members. Right. Um, it it does take a backseat to what Damon is doing musically. Um, I mean, I wonder after so many years, though, it's like, how long can you keep the cartoon going? You know what yeah, I mean? I, <laughs> there might be something to that. Yeah. Well, and I, I always wonder that about like any sort of um, animated show where I'm like, man, how are you still drawing SpongeBob, dude? <laughs> like, that is a lot of SpongeBob. Isn't to draw. the Simpsons still going? Yeah, Simpsons is still going <laughs> and South Park too. And I'm like, I don't know how you keep doing that. Um, and, and to do that for what? Like, it's one thing if Comedy Central is writing you a big check and says, we need another season of South Park, please. Like, this is, uh, are we, are we drawing stuff for the tour? Are we drawing stuff for a music video? Or like, what's the vision here? How are we curating this? And I, I, right. Again, I'm speculating from what I've seen and what I recall is the vision was lost there. The intentionality of the visual component might have fallen by the wayside there. And so, like, how can the visual artist manifest something when it's not it's not cohesive with what's being presented orally? Yeah. Um, and so... So he goes off, they, they, Gorillas goes on hiatus, um, Blur reunites, um, they go and they perform, or they're supposed to perform, um, at this, I think it's a Japanese festival, they, mm. they get back together for this reunion performance. This was um, in 08? Are we no, going? this, because no, they reunited, is, I think we kind of maybe skipped over that a little bit because we were so excited to get to plastic beach yeah. blur had a very brief reunion in 2008 okay. and they played like a festival show and they played some other shows, but that was it. They didn't like start recording or anything like that. Yeah, no. So okay. what happens, what happens though, is that I think it, there was supposed to be something in Japan and I think there was, I think there was a, f- a festival or something, but Basically, the band winds up in in either like Hong Kong or Japan, and they're there with the intention to perform a tour and a festival, like a reunion thing, mm-hmm. and it all falls apart. And so they're all just sitting there. They're all just in the area. They're not they're not leaving. They don't know what's going on. And so they decide to sit down and make some music. Yeah, right. And some so songs. over the over the course of a few days. They write some stuff, um, and then they leave, you know? Um, they don't really think about it much, but Graham is toying with it, you know? Like, they're they're on good enough terms, and it was, yeah. it was sort of an organic thing that's happening there. Um, but Damon goes off to write and, and finish up his solo album, mm-hmm. um, and he's also, uh, at that point... He's got he's done the Rocket Juice in the Moon, right. which is his <laughs> other side side project with Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers, and again with Tony, Tony Allen, Allen again. who mm-hmm. he who he collaborated with for Good, the Bad, and the Queen. Um, and he's also working on uh, the music for a musical called Wonderland, which is based on the Alice in Wonderland through the Looking Glass right. book. So the guy's busy. So like this to him at this point, Blur's almost just 
a stopover, you know, right. like I think it was getting together with these guys. This felt really good. Like, let's figure this out. Um, and they like, they walked away from it. Graham tools with this a bunch and he actually brings the other guys in, I believe. And like, finishes up parts of this to make it whole Mm -hmm. and then goes back to Damon and says like, Hey, I've got this thing from what we made and we kind of dialed it in a bit. How do you feel about this? And I believe Damon digs it and goes back to Hong Kong to get inspiration (laughs) to get the, to, to write the lyrics. Like, because of course you have to do that. Yeah. Like he, (laughs) like he is like, and and I he was a, there was something about in an interview where he was saying like it felt like the moment had passed like we got together we wrote these songs because we were all stuck in Hong Kong and it was very organic but it didn't get finished at that mm-hmm. time and so he was like I don't know if I can finish this when now we're a year removed or two years removed even at that point. And so he goes back to Hong Kong, he gets the inspiration to kind of tether himself to this music, and he writes the magic whip, um, or writes the the lyrics um, for what would be released as the magic whip. Mm-hmm. Um, and the band goes out on tour, they put the album out. It's a good album, yeah. you know, it's just not, it's, it's still, it's not, I don't know what Blur is now. Right, <laughs> right. Like, I don't, I don't know what it can be. You know, it's still, I mean, it sounds like blur. It's, it's, it's a good listen. It's just not like, um, particularly memorable, I would say. Right. But good tracks on there for sure. And, you know, you're as a blur fan, you're happy that they did it. Yeah. Um, now I want to touch on everyday robots. I don't know. Again, I don't know what your history is with that album at all um mm-hmm. i listened a, to it it's it, something that came out that uh kind of was on the radar and um sort of similar to the magic whip i was just like oh this is you know this is good listen to it a few times it's in the rotation for a while and then it's just kind of like none of it really like stuck as like a long-term favorite you know what i mean yeah that's how it was for me it's good yeah though. it's quite good so i I felt that way about everyday robots and I, I still do. There's, there's definitely stuff about it that sticks and some that doesn't. Um, I, I, again, I I don't want to jump ahead too much, but his other solo album now, and then this one, there's something, there's something very unique about Damon Albarn Mm -hmm. just in general, I think. Yes. this is like almost a, a culminative point ultimately. But again, when I'm going to Chris Martin of Coldplay, right, there's there's an arrogance there. There's an earnest arrogance. There's there's a there's a confidence mm-hmm. um that feels like um the guy knows how hot he is, you know? Um when I listen to Tom York, and again, I'm not the Radiohead guy, so please feel free. <laughs> but the guy just feels like he 
smelled his own fart and he loved it. You know, like I'm just like, there's something about the way that Tom York is where he's just, he's hopped on his own stuff. And again, as an artist, I think you have to be in some ways, you know, like I'm here for it. There's, 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 there's definitely a swagger to Damon, but there's a vulnerability within that. Yeah, for sure. And there's also this kind of dancing, like he, he misspeaks all the time. The guy is doesn't have a great filter, but I think he's <laughs> genuinely a good dude who's just he's just, he's just opinionated. Yeah. Um he is guarded. He's yeah. not and he the gets guy. Nervous. He get definitely gets nervous. He's not the guy who overshares. Um there's something there's 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 an onion to peel in almost everything, but I'd say less in blur, more so in gorillas, mm-hmm. and definitely in his solo albums. Because his solo albums almost hits it right on the head. Yeah. But you can listen to the gorillas stuff and just vibe. You can just go with it and whatever. Or you can start to pick into what he's writing and why he's writing it and find little things about who Damon Albarn is and how he feels and what he's experienced. Um, Obviously we talked about like the stuff on 13, the guy can write a a bleeding breakup song. Absolutely. But, um, but there's still something like, you don't feel like you really know him entirely. And when I go back and listen to everyday robots, there's a lot of social commentary in Mm -hmm. there. Um, it's funny, I didn't realize, there's a song called Mr. Tembo on here where I heard this album before I had my kid, and I remember hearing that song and like kind of strumming along to it on my guitar, and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to play this for my kid. Like, this is just like a fun little song that you can play for your kid. And he wrote it about an elephant that he met uh-huh. in Africa, and he wrote it for his daughter, apparently. I didn't oh, know that, wow. you know? Like, he wrote this, like, fun little thing, and I'm listening to this, and I'm like, yeah, this is a song that I would sing to my kid, and I did. Um, but there's definitely, like, there's a lot more exposure to who it peels back who Damon is a little bit more on this than I think anywhere else. Uh Uh-huh. Um, it's there to find it if you want to, I'd say, you know, um, the album is not consistent. I, I, I don't think it's (laughs) consistent. Um, I think it has peaks and valleys. I also, I feel like, I feel like certain things are almost an afterthought. Like I can, yeah. I think that it, this feels like there's weird little ruminations here, but some stuff isn't, it doesn't seem fully cohesive. And again, I think that this is part of the fact that he needs other people to feed off of and work with. He works best. It seems that way, in right? That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He works best in a collaborative situation because I think his brain is buzzing. I think this guy has so much running through it and so many things he wants to get out. And if he's working with a certain person or a certain group, then they can kind of give that guidance. They can provide a direction. And I feel like Everyday Robots goes a little bit all over the place. Yeah, I think that's a a really insightful commentary on it. it. It makes a lot of sense. And being a musician myself, I can, 
I can definitely see that. Um, I'm not at all claiming to have anywhere near the, the, the level of, uh, constant ideas mm-hmm. and, and creative energy that he has. But, um, you know, I, I sit down and I write songs and that's, that's one of the things that I've committed to do this year. I bought mm-hmm. like a thick notebook and wrote songs 2023 on it and just you know i'm gonna write more songs this year and it's just nice. not not even like a you know resolution because i'm yeah that's not really my thing but it's just something i decided that is um important to me that kind of fell by the wayside for the while for a while mm-hmm. and i so as someone that writes songs i can i i i get that i can it's so much easier at least for me to, to write, you know, with somebody else yeah. because it's just, it's, it's more brains firing at the same time. It's, it's yeah. more ideas. And if you're open to it and not going to be territorial about your ideas or, uh, you know, prideful enough to want your idea to stick or be the primary thing, then it just work. It's so much easier. It's just, and I have so many half baked song ideas and half baked recordings and things like that. That'll they're never going to go anywhere because there's not yeah. much there. And I can definitely see how much fun I can imagine how fun it would be to like have a bunch of just like a grab bag full of half baked semi-recorded ideas and bring in somebody like Snoop Dogg or Thundercat or yeah. Bobby Womack and just be like, Hey, I wrote this thing. Like, what do you think? Let's do something with it. And then just like, see what happens. Yeah. That sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah. And I think he, he then goes and leans into that heavenly heavily because mm-hmm. humans is, um, is really all over the place in a great way. <laughs> yeah, it's off the it's, rails. <laughs> it is. It's it it's taking everything that we've talked about now and if you've never spent time with humans like hop in your car and and just throw it on. Um it's bonkers. I, I don't this is not and again I I have ways of kind of labeling things for my own listening habits. This is not one that I would buy on vinyl. Like this is not something that I'm just going to like sit there and experience this mm-hmm. is punch you in the face and then like hit you from the other side yeah. and it, <laughs> yes. it is but it is all over the place in the best way and the features on this i mean putting mavis staples and push a t on the same song <laughs> and that song is a jam like uh, andromeda the dude the song with grace jones is great the popcon song i put on strobe light like if we're if my daughter's like let's have a dance party strobe light goes on um it it there's so much happening on this uh and and at this point damon and noel gallagher are good like noel's on this album um so uh, there's there's almost like the the zenith uh, as far as we can see, or at least a peak of what collaborative gorillas can be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy with, with, with this project. And I feel like I'm going to contradict myself because 
as much as humans is fun, the now now has become one of my favorite Gorillaz albums. Oh yes. Which doesn't have a lot of features so snoop is uh, back though (laughs) snoop's back george benson my my smooth jazz boy yeah uh kicks it off with him which maybe that's yeah maybe that's why i'm i uh, i lean into it a little bit um (laughs) but there's uh, i think it's maybe because i like like kind of light synth pop and and that kind of stuff like these like fun kind of poppy synth yeah. melodies that are just like so listenable um yeah i i don't own this on vinyl and i want to you know like this is this is one that i'm keeping my eyes open for to try to pick up because it feels like one that you can just throw on and listen cover to cover cuz yeah. i have yes it's it it is a good vinyl listen i i bought it for a friend of mine uh, a couple years ago and it's it's a great vinylist yeah. <laughs> just because it's a yeah. it's a chill it's a chill gorillas album and yeah. sometimes that's what you need i i love it i think it's fantastic um it's hard to it's almost even it's like hard to compare to plastic beach and demon days because it's just such a different I hate using the word vibe so much and I don't know how I got started saying it, but it is, it's, it's, it's just a different overall feeling. And, um, sometimes you need that and sometimes you need plastic beach. It's, it's, and sometimes you're in a dark mood and you need demon days. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we're, we're getting pretty close to current day, but not quite there yet. They do kind of an experiment with song machine because and i think the general idea is that you know with every gorillas album there's like an overall overarching concept whether it's all of these songs were written on tour all of these songs are in the context of you know living on this weird island uh made of plastic and we're all just kind of having a party watching the, the apocalypse around us. Yeah. Um, but the idea behind song machine is okay. Let's just write a song for the sake of the song and not try to fit it into the context of this album concept. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think part of it also, just to go back to humans real quick, because mm-hmm. I do think that humans leads into this format. Humans, the way that he constructed that, he wasn't in the studio, to my knowledge, with most, if not any of those collaborators, with most of those collaborators. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, <laughs> it's funny, so Humans came out in 2017, mm-hmm. but when he was in touch and working on the album, you know, two years prior, 2015, late 2014 into 2015. And he was talking to these collaborators and he was trying to work through with them what he was looking for. He's sending the music along for Pusha T to do his verse and, Mm -hmm. and Vince Staples to do his verse and whatever. And, um, apparently Grace Jones, um, did, for sent him four hours worth of material like wow. she just free freestyled 
over the music for four hours and said, here you go, figure it out. And like, <laughs> and he did, he like, they, they chopped it up, dude. They were like, I mean, go back and listen to that, to listen to Charger now. Like, I'll have to, I don't remember. Knowing that, yeah, oh knowing God. that, that like, they basically sat there with four hours That's a of production free, of nightmare. just like <laughs> freestyling over it. And they just chopped up stuff and That's they were, insane. they said it was basically just like having a bunch of puzzle pieces and being like, okay, this piece can go here and this can go there. And there we go. We have <laughs> a song, nuts. you know? Um, but it's kind of awesome. I mean, like who oh, makes yeah. a song like that? Yeah. That's great. Um, yeah. But I believe for song machine, they were doing stuff in either in the studio together or they were like um, in adjacent studios. Uh, it was it was definitely a closer kind of collaborative thing or it was intended to be so. Um, mm-hmm. And then COVID happens. Right. <laughs> and so things kind of don't materialize the way that they, they want to. Right. Um, but when you look at the way, like what's happening here, it's Robert Smith from The Cure, it's Beck, it's Elton John, like <laughs> this is the stuff. I mean, and granted, it's it and it's Schoolboy Q and Saint Vincent and Peter Hook and like mm-hmm. Slow Tie, like some. It, it's it's still spans the gamut of yeah. of of uh, genres and styles, but. Um, it's pretty ambitious and pretty all over the place. Um, but each song has its own uh, video, like music video. Yes. And I, again, going back to what we were saying with Jamie, like I think that this is the collaborative consensus that they come to, which is like, yes, this can be the vehicle for collaborative expression and exploration, but we need to know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we make that look like something? And so this way, there's at least visual direction that goes along with the project. Right. I, again, my interpretation of the situation, but I'm just looking at this and I'm like, this seems like the perfect compromise for what you can do well, yeah. to take gorillas to the next level. Um it was never they put it out as an album it was never intended to be so it was just right. supposed to be a web series um uh, it's really cool i've seen there's a, a lot on this album too there's yeah. a lot of music yeah the saint vincent song is dope the schoolboy q song is awesome mm-hmm. um i i haven't seen all the videos for these though um and it's claimed it's marked as season one, so it leaves the door open for, for uh, like this could yeah. be what what gorillas is going forward. Like this could be, although I know we're getting one in in a few days, right? So, Ooh, it's getting well, we'll close. See. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so close. I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a cool concept, and it's it seems like uh it seems like the right kind of move for what they're, they're yeah. always looking to see what gorillas can become next. I think they'll probably do it again. I mean, there's yeah. there's a lot of season ones of things that never had a season two, so you know ne- yeah. you, you never know. But um, yeah, it's just it's too cool of a concept to just leave it as a one off. But yeah. 
uh, it's gorillas. It's kind of, they're unpredictable. Da- and Damon yeah. himself is kind of unpredictable. So that's, that's always something that could have just been an idea and, and he did it and move, move on to do something else. You know, we might not be able to imagine what, what it is. Yeah. Now this is probably going to be where we leave gorillas because everything else is speculative on where we're going next for that project. But I, I do kind of have a question for you and it stems from, um, something that, came out around this time Mm -hmm. which was um damon said in an in an interview at one point i'm trying to remember exactly how it came up but they asked him about um collaborative situations that haven't worked out i think it was Mm. um and and he brought up adele and i guess the way that it played out um, and he prefaces, and this is why I'm bringing this up. He prefaces it by saying that she or her team had reached out to him and brought him in to work on something. And I think this is dating back to like 25 or even 21. Like it's, it's years back now. It's not for the most recent album. Yeah. Um, and he says like, I'm not a producer, you know? So like, right. You could bring me in, but like, for what, you know? Um, and it didn't, apparently didn't go so well. Um, I, who knows what actually happened? You know, Adele walked away saying some stuff. I mean, whatever was created has never been released and probably won't. Um, she walked away from it seemingly disappointed. He walked away from it kind of being like, yeah, I told you I wasn't a producer, you know. Or like, <laughs> what did yeah, you he, expect? He, yeah, he kind of walked away from it being like, well, that was a waste of time. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I can't put words in the guy's mouth. But, like, it did put it in my head because I looked around and you don't see Damon on too many other things. So he's a he's a collaborator mm-hmm. in his space, right? Um, and he's not a producer he's not putting his fingerprints on other people's projects yeah and and maybe and maybe i'm bringing in my own experience here or my own fandoms here but it feels akin to what i see and appreciate with tyler where tyler works in his tyler the creator works in his space and people come to his projects and operate in his world um you don't see Tyler featuring on too many other people's things unless they're in like his tight collaborative group, which you right. do see with Damon. Damon, what we were just saying, Damon's on a De La Soul album. Yes. Um, he's popped up with, with Tony on other things. Like if you're in that inner circle and you're putting something out, then Damon will probably join you. Mm-hmm. But you're, he's not jumping on other people's records and Tyler's not jumping on other people's records. And it and they're both very eclectic in, in how they kind of take their their direction and each song and i wonder like i can't think of too many other artists that behave that way that mm. are like you know i i think of jack antonoff who had his bands and then he's a producer and he still has his bands and usually right usually it goes that way usually you have your your dan wilson's of semisonic who goes off and becomes a songwriter and he mm-hmm. writes songs for other people and then he has a side project damon is his own island. 
Yeah. He's his own kind of institution. I don't know if there's anybody else that you can think of, but it seems almost wholly unique in this as a creator that he has established and like he's got an orbit and he's, he's, he's established himself and who he is. And you either go and get in the flow and, and create, or you don't. And that's okay too. You know? Yeah. He's, he's a bit of an Island guy, I guess. There's, there's not really anyone quite like him. You know, Cracker Island got, or Plastic Beach. You got yeah. Cracker Island, you got Plastic Beach, you got <laughs> I mean he he was granted Icelandic citizenship. Yeah. Uh so now he is an an island nation citizen. So it's yeah. like he he likes I remember reading that he likes Iceland because um at least like in the winter months, you know, it's it's dark most of the time due to its yeah. you know proximity to the the north north pole it's it's the kind of situation where it's it's dark for like 19 to 20 hours a day and mm-hmm. it's like that's a great environment for songwriting <laughs> yeah probably right <laughs> so it's just he's just that kind of guy he likes to create yeah. and he knows what he likes to do and apparently likes to create uh with others and we're we're happy to to be along for the ride basically and yeah. not never be 100% sure exactly what is coming next. Yeah. Oh, by the way, it does look like he was quoted as saying that season 2 of Song Machine will come sooner than we think. Oh, okay. So, That's I great. did catch that okay. as I was scrolling through here. Um so then I would like to quickly just touch on his latest solo album. Mm-hmm. Um, when it came out, it was released in, in 2021. Yep. And when it came out, I definitely only, I listened to a song or two. I didn't have any context. I like, I don't know. It, it didn't, it didn't pull me. It didn't, it didn't hit. I didn't understand it. And I walked away from it. Um, and I've gone back to it in preparation for this podcast in some ways. I've I've gone back to it recently and then again just very recently. Um and I actually like I realized that maybe um maybe I was doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um so he got commissioned by this French arts organization. Um to create um, whatever he wanted to, basically. I think it needed to be orchestrated. Like, mm-hmm. it needed to be something that was orchestrated. He couldn't just make a, a singer-songwriter solo album. Not that he would. Um, and But he could do it about whatever he wants, however he wants. Um, and he decides that he wants to make it about... Iceland about looking out his window and what yep. he sees on the beaches and in the water and the rocks and the mountains and the sky. And he starts bringing in these, um, performers, these, these string and brass, and he's doing this whole thing. And they're all, he flies them all in with the, I guess with this grant money and they all come to his house and they all sit there and like, 
They get assigned uh, different responsibilities. So like one of them is in charge of representing the clouds and what they see. And the other one's supposed to represent the rain and the, the waves. And they're all just like freestyle trying to, to create these songs. Um, and then the project has to get shut down because of COVID. And so, um, but he's got this body of work and he's got these recordings. And so he, he brings in some of his kind of, close confidants um to to finish this up um and the end result isn't a wholly orchestral work because it can't be because it was kind of cut short in Mm -hmm. by the like it couldn't be finished entirely right but it's also not a normal damon album it's definitely not a gorillas album no no and so when I tried to listen to it sort of ad hoc piecemeal, it definitely didn't work. Um, but I drove myself, just today, I drove myself to the ocean just to experiment, I guess. Because mm-hmm. I could feel the pull of it. He's he's dealing and he's talking about stuff. And at what you were just saying about how sort of semi-reclusive he gets and how like he almost probably enjoys the hermit life as much as a public performer can be. Like he also has this, like, I'm going to just sit in the darkness in Iceland. Right. Um, and this theme of us being particles or humans being particles keeps coming up. Sorry, I'm getting really deep on you here, but it's a Damon oh, Albarn that's, conversation. This, so. this is like the, the yeah. most recent Damon Albarn thing we have to go by. So yeah. He he's talking about this and it so gels with how I feel, especially when I'm standing against a cliff or up against the like the a vast body of water or whatever it is where you just feel so small. Yeah. Um, and he's also coping. So Tony Allen, his collaborator, the the, the drummer um, that he worked with. Uh, passed away in 2020. Right. Um, Bobby Womack passed away a few years before that. Um, he's had a lot of loss, a lot of collaborative loss. Um, and that shows up here a bunch. Um, and so there's this, there's like a starkness. Um, there's a vulnerability yeah. here. And when we talk about sonic landscapes, um, this this is it in many ways like uh, he this album is still growing on me i feel like i need more time with it um Mm -hmm. you know there's stuff on there where he's talking about facing fears there's stuff talking about raising kids and and like uh there's just i mean every time something comes up on this album it ticks a box for me um It's weird. It's weird to feel like uh, running up alongside what Damon is is experiencing and seeing and feeling at the moment, and being like, "Okay, yeah, I can actually get there a little right, bit." Right, right. Because I'm not used to that with gorillas. No, <laughs> like, I don't know. Gorillas. What's... I'm like, dude, what are you smoking? <laughs> oh my god! Right, right. But but I can't help but feel like I'm getting a peek inside of what has always and is growingly there inside of Damon Albarn. And I'm like, that's cool. I can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Like 
it's his most relatable thing for me that I've ever experienced. Um, you know, there's still the social commentary. There's still the abstract on the abstract. Um, there's a lot of depth, but, uh, this one, like, there's a special vinyl package that I just saw that's, like, 32-page art book or whatever. And, dude, I got to go to Iceland anyway. Like, I've always kind of yeah. wanted to go. My <laughs> wife's been killing me. My wife's been dying to go. So it's going to happen anyway. Yeah. Um, But now I'm, like, I turned to her today and I was like, so you still, still want to go to Iceland? Because like, maybe, <laughs> maybe we can that's do that. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so I would... Again, I, it seems like the kind of thing that maybe you need to be in the right headspace for. Um, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just go like jaunting down the street to pick up a donut and listen to this album. You know, yeah, um, and possibly need to be in the right geographical space because maybe, yeah, uh, I have it hasn't struck me like that yet. So. But I bet you you could go wander into the woods or something like that and have something. For me, it's the starkness. It's right. it's it's just not feeling like you like you as a human are in charge of everything. There's this commentary on getting pulled away by currents and feeling like an alien to a bird and it's just <laughs> there are certain things going on there where I'm like I have felt that way like I've had a fox walk out on me on a trail and look at me like dude you don't belong here like he looked at me like why are you even here and I just I stood and I waited until he walked away because I'm like you're right I'm not supposed to be here right like, this is your spot <laughs> right like, I'm not supposed, I don't know why I'm here yeah. So exactly. I bet you you could have that in other places. You, I mean, not on the side of a of a highway, but like probably in other places. I need to do that for sure. Yeah, at some point. Yeah. I I just as an aside, like I just I've I again, I'm not one for resolutions either, but like taking long mental health walks that remove me from society a little bit is high on my list this year of like, I need to make sure I'm doing that. Yeah. Um, cause it is, it's big time. Yeah, like huge help. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so yeah. cool that you have something like that, that you know helps. And, yeah. and now I got an album to listen to, uh, that's to awesome. do with it. Yeah. That's good. That's part of it. That's part of the journey. That's part of well, yeah, why we do what we do. It's amazing. That's right. Awesome. Um, Thank you for sharing so that. So I, I had one more thought slash uh, question as I think we wrap up here, unless you've got something you wanted to hit. but No, um, just lo- other than looking forward to Cracker Island. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I kind of touched on it before, but you had told me at one point that your daughter like you had seen that she made a playlist and she's requested listening to the gorillas, but she like just on her own independently made a playlist of gorillas music. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure she was exposed to that partly by you. Right. But I wonder, and again, he is 50 something like he's an older dude. He's not, not the youngest gun. Um, <laughs> but that sort of there's an authenticity I'm again going back to like the arrogance of a Chris Martin um, or um, or a Tom York there's there's something 
authentic about everything he does, whether it's a Calypso thing or a Moroccan thing or, uh, you know, if he's if he's channeling the Middle East or where, wherever Damon's head is at with mm-hmm. his collaborators and his his compositions, um, it's always authentic. And I feel like kids, quote unquote, I feel like the streaming generation mm-hmm. can smell that. I don't. I, I might. I might be off. I, I just. I feel like there's so much put on authenticity now, for for the good, um, and I I feel like we have a generation of music fans who have more eclectic tastes because they're exposed to everything and can be exposed to it on TikTok and YouTube and everything's at their finger tips is kids finding music where i'm like i don't know how you ever heard this (laughs) random sub pop release from 89 and you're like 12 like right who are you (laughs) right but but they are and then they're forming bands and I, i just i wonder if there's something to the longevity of gorillas even going forward which is why i figured this is a good end point that continues to gel with what people who are consuming music now as a a younger people who are consuming music now um are looking for which is eclectic authenticity that's like kind of where i've come to as who damon albarn is is eclectically authentic Mm -hmm. um he i think it speaks i think it's that your daughter isn't listening to that because dad played some cool tunes you know no she thinks the music that i listen to is cringy yeah (laughs) so why does gorillas work right i don't know that's it's a good question i do i think i do i think it's because there's like it's all over the place and she can jump around and listen to the stuff that she wants to i think it's relevant and it's eclectic and i think that that's what kids like i think that that's what people who are looking to consume music are looking for so that's a good point there's also something to say about i'm gonna see if i can articulate this but you know it's it's gotten to the point where it's it's not even so much authenticity Mm -hmm. but it's the whole nine layers of meme internet culture Mm. where like you know they're they're being fake in an authentic way because Mm -hmm. it's referential to something else. And it's just, you know, nine layers deep and eventually it just all kind of becomes a cartoon. And like in, like in Looney Tunes, there's, there's gags in Looney Tunes that reference back to prior gags and other, you know, Looney Tunes episodes that you might not catch if you hadn't seen it. And it's all just part of the show. So there might be something to that as well, or maybe I'm just way overthinking it and you're, (laughs) you're on the nose here. (laughs) No, I think, I think it's both. And I think you're right. Um, You know, we talked a little bit about how Damon and, and Jamie formulated this group with that sort of taking the piss out of what was going on in MTV at the time. But I think at the same time, I'd be shocked if Damon didn't realize that like 
going from Blur to if he was just putting out records as Damon Albarn or even just like made up a name, you know, and like called himself Gorillas, but it was just him. I, it it wouldn't work. Like no. it it wouldn't it wouldn't have worked the way that it worked. I should say. I I think it the music still would have been great, but it it would have fallen into the sub sub pocket of fandom and eclectic uh, uh, purveyors of whatever. Right. As opposed to just immediately being palatable because it was a cartoon. Yeah. Immediately the avatarism of it. Um. It's genius. It's it's crazy that I know that it happens over in in Japan and Korea, um, where they have these virtual idols. But it's crazy that no one's been able to do it. It's like that Weird Al conversation we had, where it's like, there's a guy who figured out the formula and he put out twenty records on how to do it, and no one else could do this. He's the only one who could do this, you know. And I'm yeah, looking at this, and I'm like, Gorillas is twenty years in now, and no one else. There's nobody else who can step up to the plate and also do like, why don't we have a gorillas collaborative tour with another virtual band? Why isn't this happening? Where's our new gorillas? Um, because it's very, very, I think it's because it's come very on, Adam, difficult you do it. Okay. to have that purely authentic fakeness. Yeah. It's a cartoon. It's not real. It's These tenuous. characters don't exist. Yeah. But it's so real. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to put it. There's yeah. there's a layer of uh it's I don't it's maybe it's just modern day puppetry where it's mm-hmm. like we're going to present this entire thing to you. It is. And we both know that it's fake and we're both kind of winking at each other. Right. But if you if you like peer into it, you can see us. And the substance is there, too. So it's like, here's this puppet show. You're in on it. You're enjoying it. Buy in, like, stay with the meta, but also the music slaps. So yeah, like, there you go. The you're music has to time. slap, otherwise it doesn't. The whole thing falls <laughs> yeah. apart if the music doesn't yeah. slap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There we wow. go. We, we, we made it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, this is two hours, everybody. I really didn't feel like that i'm sure it feels like you like that for you if you're listening but for me it did not if they've made it to this point they're they're in they're all in yeah if if they if they're not hearing us talk right now then they missed it that's all that sounds fine if anybody made it to this point hasn't listened to some of these things i mean his discography is so great to dive into and there's no one else like damon albarn there's i hate Correct. that all of these comparisons to the gallaghers and and i know that i brought up a bunch of other brit rock artists through all of this um but like there's no one like damon albarn and he's awesome and we're lucky that he continues to crank stuff out yeah you know what's going to be insanely fun but weirdly difficult is making mm. the playlist for this episode. <laughs> yeah. Man. It's mm. going to be as eclectic as a Gorillaz album. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. and probably somehow even more so, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> but, uh, I mean, yeah, we're, we're just looking forward to Cracker Island. There's, uh, I think, four songs off the album currently available, at least at the time of, of recording this. We got some um, blur reunion stuff 
cooking too. Which yeah. again, the way that the way that Magic Whip played out with them we'll see what collaborating happens. because they were on a tour together, like could happen again. They've they've expressed interest in writing new music together. So we'll see what we'll happens. See. Well, thank you for taking this long, long journey with us. I enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, thank you, Liam, for 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 coming along with me and yeah. for all of your input. Always just a, an incredible time. Thank you for listening to Retro Groove. We are part of the Retrologic family of podcasts. You can find us on Discord on the Retrologic server. You can also find us and talk with us on Twitter at retrogroove underscore pod. And thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.